Welcome to A Thousand and One Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Hey, Ben. Hey, Nick. How you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? You know, I'm good spirits. Good spirits. <laughs> good, good. Well, um, we are going to talk about the Sandra Boynton books tonight, speaking of good spirits, because I yeah. feel like these these are just full of good cheer and good spirits. Um, so, but I had never, I think we'd had one or two of these laying around, um, but they sort of got lost in the shuffle until you suggested we do these for a podcast and then I sort of brought them out and have been re- sort of reintroducing them to my girls but tell me why like what um these sound like a pretty big hit in the uh Gibson family yeah well, I mean not uh, only not just as individual books but Jack actually likes just to look at the like, like any any good book the, the the back of the book has um under serious silliness for cool little kids which is Right. App description for Sandra Boynton books. And as you know, you can also buy these other uh, Boynton board books and he will just look at the back cover and talk about the other books. So he'll say, do we have blue hat, green hat? Do we have, but not the hippopotamus. Do we have the going to bed book? And he just loves even mm. like, e- even sort of as the books as sort of little postcards, he just enjoys looking at the covers and sort of talking about what's going on there. So I remember um, being endlessly fascinated as a kid with like the Hardy Boys back cover where you oh, got yeah. to see the covers of all the other ones that you didn't own. And just, it's almost like, um, like when you look at a map, like in fantasy books, you look at the map, you can just kind yeah. of get lost, like imagining what could be on the other side of those mountains or yeah, yeah. It's forest like, or it's like whole little worlds. I mean, so it's like, like you're, you're in this kind of hall and then all these doors are tiny little universes. And in Sandra Boynton's case, they're mostly filled with hippos. <laughs> like, no, no, matter, no, matter what, no matter what door you open. But, yeah. Still exciting. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and obviously people love hippos. I think so. I don't know how, since uh, as a, maybe a relative newcomer to Sandra Boynton, I don't know if you know how she uh, kind of made her bones originally. I have but, not heard that. Um, she, she did... Uh, apparently she was a big name in the greeting card business and she had some greeting card, some 1975 greeting card um, that was, it was, it was something like hippo uh, birdie two use. And it's a picture of a hippo and a birdie <laughs> and two sheep. And uh, it's, it's sold like 10 million copies. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> we will really, really respond. I mean, I get it. I mean, the hippos are though. I, I feel like I, I don't know why I had this in like I, I saw some like nature document that mentioned that hippos are the most dangerous animal in, in Africa, yeah. even more deaths or something than than, than <laughs> crocodiles and they can bite a crocodile in half. And I can't I I can't maybe that's a real sign that I'm in it. I can't resist dropping that factoid on, on people. So like some unsuspecting mm-hmm. guest will pick it up, like, oh that's a cute hippo. And I'll say, Well, you know, if you were to meet one in the wild though, you should you should keep a safe distance because actually they're very, <laughs> they're very dangerous. <laughs> But yeah, no, these are great. I mean, and and they're, um, you know, they're they're easy to read. They have uh, she's a she's she's got it down to a, a science. I mean, kind of the amount 
of text per page. Like you, you can almost keep continuously turning the pages and there's enough to sort of keep your attention without breaking the rhythm. And it's a real, I feel like in, in terms of driving rhythms, this is up there with those, you know, the bear, the going on a bear hunt and maybe some Seuss books where it really like you get like a solid momentum and, um, and she has kind of droll things that you can kind of notice without breaking stride, or you can kind of pause and kind of note them like, mm-hmm. um, the, but not the hippopotamus book. It goes from one page to the next and it's, you know, the, the goose and the bear or the moose and the bear and the goose and the hare are doing their best to keep up the rest, but not the hippopotamus. And so each time you stop and, but not the hippopotamus. And then at the very end, all the hippopotamus joins in, but then the very last bit of text is, but not the armadillo. And that, that bit really kind of, I think that's right. really clever. So there's like, so it's, it, it's very workmanlike, but it manages even within that space to carve out a little time for sort of like, I don't know, kind of those, maybe we call them like Pixar like touches where it's yeah, just a the little, Pixar effect. Right. like a, it's a little bit, there's like a little, a little bit of extra seasoning, you know, in there. So what did you think? Do, do your girls like the book or have you, have you enjoyed these? Yeah, they're, they're starting to catch on. I, I agree. I really love a book that you can just kind of plow through. Um, that's got good momentum. Um, kind of like a anthemic, the killer song, you know, yeah, just really no, that's sort of right. Like and, marches I, and, you along. And, and that does not mean that it, uh, that it's like reductive or simplistic. It is actually, I think deceptively hard to create something yes. like that. Um, and without, you know, being, and especially to, to have little like flourishes and to have like a sense of whimsy in there too. But yeah, she's, she's really good at it. So. And like, what do you, what do you make of the, um, there's a lot of uh, playing with the type, you know, the, the fonts, right? So the, yeah. the, some are like big and like colorful and kind of wacky and different types of fonts. And um, does that, I can't decide. Sometimes I feel like that's just as a reader, it can be kind of distracting, um, but it's also, it's helpful, right? As a parent, cause it kind of, or, or as a, as a reader, cause it, it cues you into I don't, the more like performative aspect of reading to your kids. Right. Yeah. I think that's right. I think it's, especially if you're reading for the, the first time and it's one of those things, it's not, um, I think we've made this, this comparison before that that happens in the Richard scary books too, but mm. that's also, it's kind of random and sometimes it's hard to know how to read a, a Richard scary page, like where to start. And you can, I, I don't think that I've ever, like if, if I'm reading one for the first time, I'm ever thrown by the, like usually it just means like this part should be louder. Maybe like it, mm-hmm. it, it really does seem to me more like, you know, if, if, if somebody had prepared a speech for you and then they underline mm-hmm. some things or, right. Like you just know that this should, you know, you should emphasize these particular things. Um, do you think, do you think kids think about that, pick up on that? Like um, it, it, we're talking about it, like it's more of an aid for the, for the reader, but I would think by the time a kid can read, they're not reading the Sandra Boynton books very much anymore. Right. So, maybe. so the kids who are having this read to them, are they actually paying attention to the words? Do you think? Like visually, like on the page? Oh, yeah. I mean, so right now I don't think either one of them, like do you like it's kind of a different um so far i don't know that jack is at the at the stage where he notices the pictures and he wants to know and he wants to know what sort of like groups of of sentences say but i don't know that he's picked up that you know this text looks different than this text like if he's like essentially like reading over my shoulder or like this one like 
this, these that's what I mean. My, my daughters haven't either. Like even in the book with no pictures, which is all about wackadoodle right. text, they, they've never commented on like, oh, that that you know word is orange, or this one's really big and this one's really yeah. tiny. Um, which makes me think it's it's more for um, for the reader. But I don't know. I if think that would be interesting. I think that's right. I mean, I don't know. I guess I guess we'll revisit this. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what we'll have these discussions like when our kids are sort of taking over the task of, you know, reading to themselves mm -hmm. and what that transition looks like. But, um, I mean, maybe, I mean, Jack is, he, de I mean, he identifies, you know, he, he's always looking out for, um, he's gotten to the point now where he'll say, what is, what is that word? Or I don't know that he would mm -hmm. recognize it again, but he's, and he's, and he's on the lookout for J's cause that's what his name starts with. And right. So he is, he is kind of aware of, like the power of like a written word is like a discrete thing and how to like separate one from the other. But he definitely is not. I mean, he asks, I feel like we're in a stage where everything prompts a million questions. Like sometimes he'll say why when he really just, just needs to observe something like, right. like why is that tree there? It's like, you can just say the tree's there, man. How do you deal with the dilemma when you're, re cause I, I don't know. I, I try to, I mean, I think you want to encourage your kids to, think about what the book is saying and, and so when they ask questions to to a large extent you want to encourage that but like sometimes it just gets torturously slow going through a book yeah. <laughs> like how do you how do you like handle that dilemma um you know sometimes <laughs> i think it's a, it's, it's a case-by-case thing and, and sometimes it's okay we said uh one story before bed this is already the second story we're just, and, and it's clear that you're asking these questions as a delay tactic. We are, power, we are powering through this. <laughs> like, I don't really think that you're curious about why that, you know, why that mouse is wearing those shorts. And like, and if you are, you're just going to have to go on wondering, we're going to get to the end. Like, <laughs> so um, you're looking for genuine curiosity. Yeah. And then, and, and then sometimes it's, I mean, but I'm not, I'm not consistent, I'm, which is bad and apparent, but Sometimes it's like, I find that question <laughs> interesting or I, I see where, or like sometimes it's questions where I, I just, I just see an infinite, like, well, if I, if I say this, that's not going to be a satisfactory answer. So I just like, keep it, let's keep it moving. Or, or sometimes I think that maybe he'll, he, he'll be more excited about like, really, he's not asking the right questions. He should wait and save his questions for the next page. I really think he's going to be intrigued by like this goofy scenario. And I feel more comfortable. So sometimes I, I scroll and then sometimes, I don't know if we're just kind of hanging out, maybe we're, maybe we're trying to kind of kill some time or something. And then, yeah, it's, it's great that he's engaged and you know, he can, he can kind of run the show. Right. Do, right. What, what do you do? Do you, do you just, do yeah, you I just wing it. Uh, <laughs> probably depends what kind of mood I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I try to, um, I, I try to answer, but, but then the other thing too, is when you're, you're, at least we're reading to multiple kids now. So there are oftentimes where one kid like wants to keep going and then one kid is like obsessively picking up on tiny little details on one page and they, they kind of get frustrated with each other. So then you're, then oh, you're playing like, yeah. So, and two, I think I just, my, I probably err too much on the side of let's just keep going. Cause I want, I, I like the flow. Like I, um, especially with a lot of these like younger kids books that are so rhythmic. Like it's so much about the, the, like the music and the rhythm of the working through the, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. So I, I just, I probably err on that side a little bit too much. I should probably be a little bit more, um, 
more accepting. Yeah, of, I mean, of all I've, been, but. I've, definitely, I've definitely made an adjustment. I think when I first started off, I, especially with books like the Richard Scurry book, I, I was more task oriented in terms of we need to get through the book. And right. now I've, I, I still am more so, but I'm less, you know, it occurs to me that it, they're not, they're not checking off some kind of box where they finish the, for them. Like it maybe doesn't matter if they finish the book or not. I don't know. Like, do you, do you, there's a, like, is there something about the discipline of finishing a book that it's important to finish what you start? Like, I don't really, that's, well, that's, I, I'm not, I'm not as worried about. No, I, I think it's just more like a preference thing for me. I just yeah. like the feeling of like rolling through it. Um, but I, but I think that the thing I try and keep in mind too, is that kids are, you can be reading the same story, but kids are doing very different things yeah. on different readings, you know? So one, one time it may be about the plot. One time it may be about a particular character. One time it might be about, just some weird little detail and so even that like when when kids are learning to like kind of grasp the whole and also to like analyze little detail and that's good you know like that's i don't know that's a big part of reading well we've said this before like it's really remarkable like sometimes if you a book um you don't you don't see it for when it comes back up and then the the kid's like almost like a different person when you're reading it to them just because they've changed in so many ways and so um i'm I'm just i'm like oh they're not going to they're not going to be engaged with this. And then they are. And that's, that's really exciting. Um, totally. can we, can, can we, can we pause this? I, I, I hate to hijack <laughs> this conversation. So apologies. Andrew, can we, speaking of books going out of circulation, I, uh, it is so easy to lose, uh, children's books. Maybe, maybe, I mean, I lose things all the time. So maybe that's just, maybe <laughs> just me, but there, we, we have a, we have a bunch of them and the spines are so also thin. So it's hard to hunt through the ones you have. And then our kids have stripped, the like or, or stripped or eaten mm. <laughs> the, the, in some cases nod <laughs> on the spines and so like identifying a, a book it's like it's, it's hard to figure out what it is and they they, they move them around and they, they I, they're not they're not they're not keeping track of them <laughs> we're we, I'm, so I'm the, not, there's, a, there's a market out there for like the otter box of children's books not not that you get an actual case for your children's book but but publishers produced an edition that is like the indestructible, indestructible yeah. version of you know whatever their most popular uh, works and you know you pay three times as much for it but this right. thing you could throw yeah, it in the fireplace and it would be you okay throw the fireplace and it's fine but what if like your kid just like hides it somewhere and they get it just then, then you've got this like super expensive book that like oh yeah i i I, I, I was keeping it in the recycling bin because that's, that's a place to be. So shamefully, I admit that in our family, the hiding is mostly going on by the parents. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. We um, Do we lose? I actually don't know if we lose too many books. Um, uh, it could be because of a small house. It's um, just us. I feel yeah, like we, you... We, you we, guys have you guys have a nook and cranny house. You guys have just all sorts of fun places to, yeah, to maybe stash. We, books. Maybe we have a nook and cranny disposition. I don't know. We just we like we <laughs> like checking out books in the library is, is rolling the dice. And and the, the Urban Public Library has dispensed with late fees, but if they judge you to have like lost and therefore bought a book, they're like, Yeah, that's that's it. And so <laughs> you know, and it we, we somebody gets a library book and it's un, you know it just kind of gets like swept into the mass the, the mass of them and then it's you know all these tiny little i don't know so uh, it's just me so we we won't we won't talk about it anymore but <laughs> but if it is for, and i feel like especially inevitably before we do one of these sessions like i should have that book on hand and usually because we're going to be discussing it i've had it out and have been reading it recently and then some child has wandered off with it or it's gone somewhere mm-hmm. else and well one of these days we're going to have to do a, an episode on um children's books 
organizational methodologies because yeah. I have lots of thoughts on this and I feel like we we, we really owe it to our listeners to, to do yeah. a deep dive. on. <laughs> you just, you just owe it to me. I'm sure. I mean, if, if you're, if you found some way to not lose books then I think like, maybe, maybe we don't even do a podcast just after we get off the, you know, after we stop talking here, you just send me, send me some key strategies. I'll give you the PowerPoint. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> send you my deck on. Um, but anyway, but, okay, but back, to, back to, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I mean, and there's not too many, I mean, they, they are pretty straightforward. I mean, there's, she has some kind of like so you you've you've read the uh, in addition to the, the hippopotamus books there's happy birthday little pookie there's a bunch of pookie books and those i feel like uh those are a, the happy birthday pookie is a little less rhythmic because there's that interaction where the the, the kid wakes the parents up on their birthday and right. it, it feels a little bit more like dialogue than you know um I don't know, sort of like narrative verse or something. Right. Um, but uh, but still kind of the same, like kind of the same aesthetic, kind of the rounded shapes. I kind of yeah. rhyme with, I mean, she's got a really good balance of, sometimes it's hard to tell when, with, with, with children's books if, if they're sweet, if, if the person writing them has a sense of humor, but it's, it's clear that she has both. You know, the, the books are yeah, right. kind of sweet, and but that also this is a person who, like there, there's there's some, there's a little bit of smirking going on too. <laughs> that's a, that's such a great skill i mean just in in general but but certainly in children's books too that those people who can go right up to the edge of sarcastic but still but not quite and it just comes across as really just clever and um impressive but also just sort of genuine and, and warm too like i i feel like that's a rare a rare skill yeah um, and you're right she definitely has these and what can, can you i mean are there obviously there's cases of sarcasm in, in children's books, but at what age do kids start kind of figuring out? Like, I mean, there's, there's kind of a spectrum between tongue in cheek and being sarcastic and, and then also like trying to figure out like, Oh, they're saying this, but they really don't mean that. And like how to kind of convey and interpret that to your kid. That, that's not kind of a tricky thing. I feel like. I yeah. So I know, I don't know that um, my kids, have, have really picked up on sarcasm yet, but, but I know, so we have this great, um, children's book inside joke, which is in the Richard scary, um, cars and trucks book. There's this one little vignette where, um, Homer, this dog drives his tractor into the pond and the, the tractor is getting like lifted out of the right. pond by a crane. And, and the, the little caption is that wasn't very smart Homer. Right. <laughs> and so this has turned into a, like a Wignall family inside joke. Um, and it started off with just Kat and I doing it um, kind of to each other. But one day, I, I can't, I wish I remembered the actual incident, but Elena just out of nowhere said it was perfect. Something I did, some like, you know, like Homer Simpson moment. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> wasn't very smart. Elena comes out with like, that wasn't very smart, Homer. <laughs> well, I guess that, I guess that's a good point. I guess the way it starts it's is kind of, you, you have shades of, you have shades of meaning, right? Where, or there's like different levels where like you can, mean thing in one way and then there's like a secondary like jack right now is really struggling with you know synonyms and two two words mean the same thing and one word can have multiple yeah. meanings and i thought like that's communicated in children's books a lot where you mean things in different ways and then and then then you then a step beyond that is well you can say this and the meaning actually might be different than what it, it, it seemed like the, the, the words right. would say because of the because of the context that's, that's part of the same journey I'm surprised there aren't more puns in children's books. 
Because that would seem like a very, like that seems like a, a more graspable, uh, well, maybe, I don't know. To a kid, is a, is a pun, is that simpler than like straight sarcasm? Is that easier to understand? Maybe not. Maybe not. I, I mean, yeah. Hmm. I mean, do, do you know when you, I mean, do, do you find puns? Some people don't find puns funny. Do you remember when you started, you started embracing puns or sarcasm? I remember there was, I had encountered sarcasm in, in literature, but I feel like I was in junior high and somebody said something. I was like, wait a minute. He's he doesn't, I don't think, I don't think he means that. <laughs> I, I remember always being really impressed by people who were punny, but and feeling very like I'm just I'm not a funny person, like I'm not a clever, like witty, and then and then and I still don't think that I'm um, very far on that spectrum. But but I there was a point where like <laughs> I don't know my like late twenties maybe where I just started I like actively tried to like think <laughs> more about puns, and you can actually get surprisingly better relatively quickly. When you, when you just like think about it a little bit. So that's when I got kind of got even more, you know, like it went from, I was always just envious of people who who could do puns and I started to really get into it a lot more. <laughs> well, I mean, so one thing we should talk about sometime is how these how these books do in different languages and how much of it translates. Obviously, uh, you know, something like Journey can, I mean, it, there's no words, so that's, but then, I mean, how well, I mean, a, a lot of these books are translated into to many languages and, and people feel a connection and so, Obviously, it's not it's not just the particular you know English rhyme scheme or some of the the, the puns. I mean, Sandra Boynton's hippos sort of transcend the the, the language barrier, but um, but I, I don't know. Maybe we should we should pick some some books that have started off in, in other languages and wonder how well they kind of convey like their sense um, in English. That's a great idea. If there's any um, children's books translators in the audience yeah. reach out we want yeah. to talk to you <laughs> hey everyone we hope you enjoyed this episode of a thousand and one good nights if you want to learn more about this book and other bedtime stories check out our website at 1001goodnights.com that's 1001goodnights.com be sure to sign up for our monthly email newsletter to get updates about upcoming seasons and other new content. Finally, please help us out by rating the show on iTunes. This helps spread the word about the show and get it in front of new listeners each week.